everyone, welcome to our classic character profile. I'm Gemma. I'm Michael. We're talking about Bev Unwin today. Ooh, and Bev it's Unwin. gonna, when I say we, I mean me because Michael has got a sore throat. I've lost my voice again. And this Hooray. is like, what, five weeks since I lost my voice last time? That my, my body is conspiring really, against me. You were talking fine just a second ago. I wasn't, this is, I think I'm talking better now than I was earlier. No. But. This is me. I say, I'm going to do the podcast tonight. Anyway, want to talk about Bev Unwin. She's ever so slightly linked to this week's Coronation Street, so we're striking while the iron's hot. All right, you be quiet now, okay? I can't help it. You got. I'll let you. T- I'll right, let you shush. do most of the talking, but you've got to let me interrupt. Nope. What is the link to Bev? Well, Audrey's been up to see her, hasn't That's she? That's right. This week, she's taken. Didn't get there. Teddy's corpse up to see. Yeah, Bev on a little trip. So, Bev was born on in around 1955. She had a brother called Lenny Baker. She was married to Jimmy Unwin. She had two children, Sharon and Shelley, who was born in 1973. She first appeared on the 24th of March 2003. She last appeared on the 15th of July 2015. She was in 376 episodes and she was played by Susie Blake. Yeah, so she was she was like an early 2000s character who made a comeback for Deirdre's funeral a few years ago. Yeah. So that's why that, that last year appearance is, is so recent. There was a big gap yeah. between uh, her last... Her, Last appearance as a main character. Well, yeah. Although I think probably the gap now between the last appearance and now is bigger than the gap between her first last well, appearance and her last appearance. She, she, no, she's not. And she had a chance this week. And other, I don't uh, think she wants I didn't, to be in the I, show. I know. I wasn't expecting Audrey, like, her to appear on screen when Audrey's gone to visit her. But I did wonder whether like Audrey would be going off visiting Bev in the Peak District and we get to see Stephen's caperings as he's uh, trying to do something with this girl. We didn't get to alas, see that. It was not meant to be. But I thought we'd still do Bev anyway. She's what this is one of these characters that I wasn't sure whether we'd ever profile, but then I never thought the podcast would still be going after ten and a half years because in my head she was she's very much a side character, but still an important one, and I think a really well remembered character you, know, you know, a fondly remembered character by those who remember her. Would you agree with that one? Definitely. Now, um she uh I was gonna say, I forgot what I was gonna say. But um she's she wasn't a major character, like um if you kept saying you kept telling me this week uh, she only ever really had pieces of other people's stories I would say so in, she, it was she, mostly Shelley yeah she came in to be an extra character in Shelley's story really Shelley Unwin who was barmaid and, and manager us at the Rovers for a spell during the early 2000s yep. and really really important character during this massive story of coercive control with Charlie so if you wanted to know who Bev Unwin was and why why uh, Audrey was up visiting her in the Peak District we're about to tell Not you. Not always been friends. No. Now, um, the actress, Susie Blake, uh, trained in uh, the Arts Educational School in London Academy of Music and Dramatic mm-hmm. Art. She appeared on TV for the first time in 1974 in Rooms and also appeared in Victoria Woods TV shows. Um, she was the first, uh, she said the first line of dialogue in the first episode of One Foot in the Grave. I, I think that that is a pretty good claim now to fame, that's a pretty, that's a show you don't hear very much about anymore, but when no. it was on TV, it was massive. Every, I never really enjoyed One Foot I loved in the it. Grave. Victor Meldrew is a real kind of icon of British comedy from that era, isn't he? But I was never yeah. really into the show, but to have, have her say the first line, apparently. Well, she fired yeah, yeah, Victor she's Meldrew. Because char- One Foot in the Grave was about um, this character, Victor Meldrew, who is like experiencing a grumpy old man. retirement and it. 
has, but all because of her. Yep. And uh, she was in 12 episodes of a show called A Prince Among Men. Do you know Prince Among Men? I don't know what it is. Oh, I put that in for me. So, you know, if you've been listening to the podcast long enough, that I was a big, big, big Red Dwarf fan back in the day. And Chris Barry, who played Arnold Rimmer in Red Dwarf, once he was also doing British Empire at the same time in the early 90s. And I think it was when that finished. His next show was this one, A Prince Among Men. And it was rubbish. It was about, I think he played like a... A, re- a retired footballer turned entrepreneur businessman thing and he was like this real kind of slick sleazy kind of guy it just wasn't maybe funny in I, the slightest maybe I slightly remember this he had a I really dodgy scouse accent mm. um, and I remember the theme tune very well sadly I can't sing it for you oh, today ladies and gentlemen to with the voice um, and yes yeah, so Susie Blake played like a secretary or something and she was like a main character in it and this was say five six seven years before she came into the show as Bev Unwin and I don't remember recognising her from it. Although I think somewhere I've still got all 12 episodes of A Prince of a Man Among Men on tape. Because back in the day, we used to record things off the TV. I did. I had a huge collection of British comedy you that I recorded off the You used to record TV shows and Spice Girls appearances oh, yeah, I knew you'd mention on, the v- on VCR. And I used to record songs off the radio. Well, I think most normal people recorded tapes. songs off the radio. But me, I was all about recording the British comedies on my VCR. People, people don't get it We need days. people like you to help maintain the archives. Well, exactly, exactly. If people hadn't been doing that back in the 70s, or no, we wouldn't have as much Coronation Street now. But anyway, yeah, she was in Prince Among Men, Mr Bean, the animated series, apparently. And um, also more recently, Mrs Brown Boys. That um, Mrs Brown's Boy, she did 16 episodes Beloved comedy. After Corey, and um, <laughs> coincidentally, she's quit acting. Yeah, on TV. On TV, at least, yeah. She's a stage actress She obviously now. got burned there. <laughs> um, the character of Bev was in, announced not long after her first appearance. Before her first appearance, even. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the character was announced not long before she first appeared. That's right. Yes. In March 2003, the Daily Star claimed she'll have locals cowering with her acid tongue and... She'll have plenty of things to get worked up about. Well, that was true, but I don't know about her acid tongue. Oh, well, no, I think that, you know, having a, a bit of a research about the character of Beth, because I'd forgotten an awful lot about her up until this weekend. It seemed like in her early days, she did have a bit of an acid tongue and she was getting, like, Maria in particular riled up at the Rovers. But when I think back on her, I just kind of think of her as a bit of a nice kind of mumsy figure, but also a bit of a... Drop her jaws for the younger man, a bit sort of a, of thing. A bit of a, a um, Liz McDonald in yeah. a way, not not so tarty, not as tarty, but, but definitely as loose. Yeah, she had. Yeah, I mean, she she definitely um, like the lads. She liked the lads, and, and she could attract people. You know, why not? 10, 20 years her junior. Those so nights, why not? Nights get very dark and long. They otherwise. do up north. They do up north. Right? Shall I? Shall I read it out, and you can interrupt me? Oh, thank you, you for permission. Would to you like to you. have a drink of tea, please? Uh, yeah, I've, Okay. Right, before 2003, uh, the backstory was that she owned a pub with her husband, Jimmy, and then he died on Christmas Day in 1997, which ruined the whole year, probably. Yes, my interjection there is how tragic. Yeah, so she's got a, a back in a backstory in pubs. She kind of always... She was very kind of well, well-to-do, well wasn't she? She wasn't kind of snobbish in any way, but she always seemed like she was well-turned out and quite um, pristine, wasn't she? I would, call, I would say she, ha- she was sensible and... Um, she had a a good head on her shoulders, you know, wouldn't you? She yeah. she was she wasn't boring, but she she had a good 
Yeah. And she, you know, she knew how to dress up and, and put on the face for the punters, which is just what you want in a pub landlady, I guess. So in 2003, her daughter Sharon dies. She was rushed to hospital with severe stomach pains. Turns out it was an ulcer and she collapses on the floor in the bathroom. Oh and Because uh, the ulcer perforated and she dies of internal bleeding, which when I read that earlier, <laughs> terrified me. Could happen to anyone. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> we first see Bev at the funeral of Sharon, which Shelley goes to because obviously it's her sister. And Peter is there too, um, trying to support Shelley. And he has to duck out because there he had a bit of a schedule snafu because yeah. he was having to secretly marry Lucy so at the Peter, same time. Yeah, Peter, I think, I can't remember. I don't think he'd married Shelley at this point. I can't remember what order it happened in. I'm sure someone will correct me. But yeah, this is part of Peter's bigamy storyline. So yeah. I remember this and she's going, you support me and come to see my sister's funeral. I remember yeah, this. Only where we watched that the other year, didn't we? All right, so Shelley brings Bev back to the Rovers to stay with her, and then um, immediately Bev starts airing her views about Shelley and Peter's wedding preparations. Oh, okay, oh, fine. So they so go, not married including yet. warning Peter to treat Shelley right, and she also stirs things up with Maria, who's working as a barmaid in the Rovers, and tells her that she's lazy <laughs> and useless, and she looks like a constipated spaniel. I think that's that acid tongue that we've think, been warned yeah. about. Yeah, so she won't be big fan of Maria. I don't think she'd have been voting for her in the council election. Maria quits. years later. She also, Bev also thinks that landlord Fred fancies her and is worried that he's going to propose. And then she bets she can get the next man who walks into the bar to kiss her, and it turns out to be Roy. Roy starts to worry that Bev fancies him, and Haley warns her off, and Bev's like, oh, it's just a joke. Yeah, what is was... it about Roy that attracts all these nerdy well women trying to... Well, it's because, like, he's like, you know, you could... Asexual. Yeah, he's a bit of a laughing stock, isn't he? Like, oh, you bet you couldn't pull Roy. It's like, it's really kind of cruel to him it in a pathetic, way. It is pathetic as well. It's like, not everyone cares about yeah. what's inside your pants. Just but this, this kind of showed that Bev was up for a laugh, but he, she wasn't really against... No, she wasn't against humiliating the locals. Exactly. So Bev realises it's time to move on and she wants to go to a pub in Wales, but Peter and Shelley persuade her to stay with them. Bev persuades... Tracy to help her organise Shelley's hen night and then this is when that they have the infamous bet between Tracy and Bev that Tracy bets 1p that she can get Roy into bed. Massive, huge scene, very um, very controversial, very famous little storyline there where Tracy ends up drugging Roy, taking him to bed, not having her wicked way with him, but making him think that she had and that's all just because of this bet that Bev had. And I think lots of people might forget that it was Bev that was Bev, the, the Bev is the one who came here. up with the idea, was it? Or was I can't, it no, I, I can't remember. But right. I mean, this this is all linked to the fact that Bev had said previously, oh yeah, I'm gonna, I, can, I could pull Roy or something like this. So she's partly to blame, I'm going to say. And this was the height of uh, Tracy's villainy, this, this yeah. period of time leading up to her murdering Charlie, which is very much involved Bev as well. So mm. Sunita confides in Bev that she's interested in Kieran and Dev and worries that she's stringing them both along. And Bev says, don't worry about it. Just do, just carry on as you are, basically. Yeah. So Sunita was, was Shelley's friend. And, and, and so Sunita Allahan, Dev's first wife. Only wife, I think, yeah. And then Kieran, Irish charmer, working at the Rovers and, and all this kind of stuff. So Sunita's love life very much intertwines with Shelley's during this period. 
Bev starts to get suspicious that Peter's sneaking about and she tricks Kieran into revealing that Peter's was, was having an affair, but it's apparently all over now. And then Shelley catches Bev rooting through Peter's wallet for evidence of this and accuses her of wanting to split them up. But it spurs Shelley into confronting Peter, who admits there was another woman. So Shelley calls the wedding off temporarily and um yeah it's just kind of like i'm not marrying you oh go on then i will then they get then they do have the wedding and bev's having to grit her teeth through the whole thing yeah i can't remember exactly who knew i think kieran knew that peter actually was married to lucy at this point but shelly is under the impression that he has just had an affair and and it's over and that's it Tracy takes Roy home after the wedding and claims her penny win, but Bev's not very happy about this, doesn't find it funny anymore. She tells her nobody likes her and throws her out of the Rovers, where which is where Tracy was temporarily staying. Mm. I think that they had to have Bev say, no, you've taken it too far this time, Tracy, because like you said, she really was at the height of her villainy at this point, and if Bev had come along with it, then we wouldn't have wanted to root for Bev and, and a lot of what comes next for Bev is supporting Shelley and wanting to get her through this awful situation she's with with Charlie and this was her way of saying even I've got my limits. Bev comforts Shelley when the truth about Peter's biggie me comes out but um, she has to rein it in uh, she was going to have revenge but no. Yeah yeah Shelley, Shelley wants to go like properly full out revenge on Peter so also does Lucy and um yeah so she has to be talked down a little bit from that but Lucy still plows right ahead with her now Bev's been left in charge of the Rovers because at this point it was wasn't it Peter and Shelley yeah so she's left in charge after the fallout from all the wedding stuff and the bigamy stuff Bev seduces Kieran, who she's taken on as a pot man. Then they wake up the next day, very embarrassed. It's a bit like a rerun or a pre-run of um, what happened with Dev and... Yeah. I mean, what was the Deirdre. age difference, would you reckon, between Kieran and Bev back then? Like, must be a good 15, 20 years, it doesn't at matter. least. It really doesn't matter. But it was the whole thing later, she was a cougar. There's a tarot card reader who tells Bev that she's going to marry a man connected to the Rovers, and she thinks that's Kieran. Now, interestingly enough, the tarot card reader, you know wasn't lying no really. and it's quite funny that when Bev first came into it and she was worried that Fred was kind of ogling over and he was going to propose to her considering you know how it how it ends up so Bev is appalled when Shelley tells her that she wants to give things another go with Peter and Peter says um I'm gonna go <laughs> with Lucy and Simon to Spain but Lucy reveals that she was actually stringing them along she goes without him so he's left alone um everything's a bit complicated because it's a bit awkward because Shelley mm-hmm. wanted to take him back and he didn't want her back. Not long after this, Bev ends up kissing Kieran again. Even though he's engaged to Sunita, Betty catches them and Kieran decides to tell Sunita that he they want to get married quickly. So they go out for a night on the town, does uh, Bev and Deirdre. Yeah. And... Um, she, this, she comes, comes she's, back she's, with a handsome... Oh, no, sorry. No, I can't remember. Bev goes out on the town. She meets up with this chap called John who tells her that he's an airline pilot. And I don't think the viewers get to see 
who this person is at first. Obviously, that rings massive alarm bells for Deirdre because back five, six, seven or so years ago, she'd been caught up with the airline pilot, John Lindsay, who had um, tricked Deirdre into, you know, buying the, using the credit card, fraudulent activity and all that. That's why Deirdre ended up going to prison. So Deirdre's like, you've got to watch out, Bev. John should maybe out of prison by this point. I think it might be him. So Bev is acting, has to act, ends up acting really suspiciously when she goes out on this date with this John. And um, he finds her just a little bit weird. And it's not John Lindsay, obviously. And he ends up dumping her because she's just acting too suspicious and stuff. In 2004, Bev has her head turned by Charlie Stubbs. They go on a date, it goes well, they sleep together, <laughs> but then Charlie dumps her because everyone gossips about them and she's still randy and wants to g- keep dating him and tries to persuade him to go on another date with her, but he's not interested. So Charlie Stubbs at this point, I think when he came into the show, he was a bit of a kind of a white, kind of a well, he's kind of laddish builder, wasn't he? But I don't think that he was truly cruel at this point. I think he just liked a bit of a laugh and, and he was um, definitely, I think he was kind of misogynistic and everything, but he, he wasn't quite as evil as he had become. But yeah, it was it was Bev who had ended up or he'd caught Bev's eye before he ends up seeing Shelley. Bev overhears Charlie telling Jason that he's got his eye on someone. She thinks it's Deirdre. And he, she even goes off and tells Ken that Charlie and Deirdre are having an affair and then those two have an argument. But actually, the person that Charlie fancies is Shelley, her daughter. Kieran lets it slip that Shelley's mum, Bev, and Charlie got together but swears Charlie to secrecy, which doesn't last for very long, and everybody finds no, no. out. He he he. Ta- yeah. He Kieran tells Charlie, his kind of mate, I suppose, that he Kieran and Bev got it on together this one time. He's like, "Don't tell anyone, Charlie, that I had it off with your 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 girlfriend to be's mum." But, it, you know, as, as we know, these things don't stay secret for long in soap. And uh, yeah, basically the cat is put squarely among the pigeons when that whole secret comes out. Fred gets fed up with Shelley, take it uh, being a bit too big for her boots in the Rovers. And she he sacks her and then gives Bev the manager's job instead. Bev struggles a bit to run the bar. And <laughs> before long, Betty's resigned. But that's not really unusual. Betty was always throwing a toys out of pram and quitting um she's also she also hires and fires kieran um because he he um refuses her advances she was a, she was a bit of a sex pest wasn't she yeah Bev? yeah kieran kicks up a fuss gets his job back bev tells fred i'm fed up this i quit um and she she wants to leave Rutherfield altogether. Gets and gets storms off. Gets into a cab, and it turns out Shelley's then in the cab as well, also having a hissy fit and wanting to leave Rutherfield. And they basically both decide they're being silly and uh, make up with each other and uh, get back it in the in the into ro- the Weatherfield into Weatherfield. Sorry, and um, everything's back everything's to normal. Everything's fine. For now. Shelley gets reinstated, etc., etc. Bev warns Shelley off of dating Charlie, but Shelley doesn't listen. And then, not too long after that, Bev gets drunk with Charlie, takes him to bed while Shelley's out for the night with Sunita. Then she confesses to Shelley, and Charlie denies it, and um, Shelley chucks Bev out for lying. So, 
This is why you shouldn't sleep with the same man your mum's dating. It's just complicated, isn't it's it? Gross. It just makes things needlessly, needlessly tricky. Shelley reveals to Sunita that Bev had it off with Kieran when he was engaged to her, which we know. Bev then leaves for Bradford, telling Shelley that she'll come back to support her when Charlie hurts her, which what a mess. is inevitable, yeah. Six months later... I hope, hope you're catching... I hope you're following all this. Basically, Kieran, Sunita, Shelley, Charlie... I think they've been a devil slept with each other or at least attempted to at some point in the previous 12 months here. So, six months pass, and this is when Charlie's abusing Shelley. She secretly phones her mum and Bev realises that Charlie's controlling her and... Um, Shelley doesn't want to see her anymore and she she knows it's the, the influence of evil Charlie. So Bev gets in touch with her old good old friend Deirdre and um, she allows her to use number one as a secret meeting place so that um, Bev and Shelley can talk. But they when they meet up, Shelley won't listen to her when Bev accuses Charlie of being a liar and a cheat and Shelley tries to put her off of, of meeting up together again. So Charlie's abuse of Shelley kind of involved making her think that she was really fat um, shaming, give her body shaming her, she, basically turning her into an agoraphobic. He was kind of could go off and be a womanizer with anyone who she wanted, and she was left a shell, if you pardon the pun, of her former self. So, really quite similar to what we saw recently with Yasmin and uh, Jeff, wasn't it? So he, it was like the, the 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 original version of that, and he he was really really cruel. In 2005, um, Shelley's become reclusive under Charlie's influence and Deirdre tells Bev, who comes back to Weatherfield, to slap Charlie. Um, because, and then she also finds Shelley in her bedroom with a black eye. Shelley refuses to leave Charlie and she throws Bev out and then Charlie accuses Shelley of contacting her mum in secret and packs his bag. So he was always kind of um, using this power he had over mm-hmm. her she's like desperately didn't want him to leave because she was so powerless she felt like she couldn't live without him yeah i remember this episode when bev comes back yeah. and and shelly's just yeah she's up there in the, in the upstairs and, room in the room and charlie's like massive packing black his, eye and she's bag. like no no it wasn't him it well, wasn't him well, charlie's like i'm going i'm going she's like begging him not to leave yeah the the power the the, the power trip he was on oh he was repugnant so bev, bev stays in in weatherfield and she learns more about what charlie's been up to including trying it on with liz and she gets a job at the webby arms so she can stay and keep an eye on shelly but shelly refuses to accept any help from her and even bars her from coming into the rovers because charlie doesn't want her hanging about and possibly um meddling uh yeah making shelly see what he's been up to but bev sneaks into charlie's office because he's he's a builder so um there's always this is a dodgy builder i think that um I think that Ed Bailey is probably the nicest builder we've ever had on Coronation Street. <laughs> I think you might be right. I mean, <laughs> because even like um, Jason was quite. Jason nice, was but... nice, but even someone like I'm thinking, who's Kevin's dad? Bill. Even Bill he's, was a womanizer. He really, really was. So yeah, yeah I think that Ed's think, probably yeah, the nicest. Ed, Ed hasn't guy. got the memo. No, he needs to start becoming evil because it, uh, eventually that. Will or at least him. just get a few more notches on his bedpost. Come on. Well. Beth sneaks into the Charlie's uh, builder's office, gets the contact numbers of his clients, phones them all up and says, oh, he's a cowboy, he's a rip-off merchant. Um, he confronts her about it and she goads him and um, she wants him to hit her, but he doesn't. He just mocks her 
and tells her, oh, I like keeping Shelley like a caged bird and and kind of like rubs her nose in it, basically. Kieran decides to leave by the field and Bev tries it on with him again. She's and like, what? She's, a, she's a horny old lady, isn't she? Well, he uh, he says, you're a disgrace and he, and he leaves. <laughs> now, Shelley... Um, Shelley this kind of strikes me as the sort of person who like throughout the past, what, 30 years of her life could have whatever man she wanted. It makes me wonder how faithful she was to her husband when he was still alive because she... She, you know, she she had no problem at all with just literally well, throwing herself. Well, maybe she thought to herself, when her husband died on Christmas Day, she probably thought, all my life, you know, I thought I would spend my whole life with this man and now he's gone, I'm free. I'll, um, I'm not going to ever get attached to one man again. I want to jump from bed to bed because love hurts, but sex feels so good. <laughs> she, she what do you think? I think that's exactly right. She just yeah. never seemed to be, show any interest until the end of any man slightly her age no and you're right it wasn't romantic it was literally all about the the pure animal lust for bev yeah good for her so shelly and charlie get engaged and bet and shelly begs bev to make up with charlie so they can have a nice wedding and stuff and 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 she refuses and charlie warns bev don't ruin this wedding Shelley has a Hindu and Bev and Violet tell her about Charlie seeing other women and how he's made a pass at Violet and, Violet, and another stuff. barmaid at the yeah. time. And Shelley's like, I don't believe you. Um, but some doubt was um, sown in her mind because she has a triumphant jilting, leaves Charlie at the altar, and this is the very famous scene where Bev's in the church going, yes! If, 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 you know, we said at the beginning of this that Bev isn't necessarily remembered, but those who do remember, remember her fondly. And I think for people who love Bev, this is the one scene out of them all, even though, you know, Shelley was the real heroine of this scene. But this, for me at least, when I think, what's my favourite Bev moment? It was when Shelley jilted Charlie at the altar and Bev's just like, oh, thank goodness. Because, I mean, this story had been running for a year or a year and a half or more, hadn't it? And the, the triumph, the relief, the joy on Bev's face when Shelley finally realised what an arse Charlie had been was just what we were all feeling as well. Yeah, like, and, thank goodness. She's and done it. Bev She's had been it. trying to convince her all this time. That's why I love her so much. She was she was a really great mum. I mean, yeah, she kind of slept with her. She was a great mum. She slept with her. Stuff, yeah, okay. But she she loved her daughter, and the the frustration of not being able to convince her about this this animal that she was going out with and then uh, and engaged to it, it was just worth it for this scene and and that whole episode is fantastic because after that that's when Charlie like takes Shelly out for a drive and then she gets out of the car and then is just walking through Weatherfield in a wedding dress doesn't yeah. she gets to the Rovers and starts scoffing herself with cake after not being able to eat what she wants where a lady sees her strolling about with a wedding dress on and she's like I dumped him or something yeah, 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 she's yeah, like good a, for you there is there's a woman at the best stuff and yeah. Shelley's like I dumped him you know and she's like yeah good for you <laughs> <laughs> later on in the year Bev agrees to accompany Fred Fred Elliot the jovial butcher and and, and, and and publican 
Um, she accompanies, accompanies him to the Weatherfield Traders Association dinner dance. They have a kiss and then they become an item. So Fred was very much a romantic, wasn't he? Where, where Bev was all about the bonking. Fred, Fred, you know, he had his animalistic side as well, but he certainly liked to wine and dine and woo the ladies and his thing was he yeah. used to just propose to everyone. Yeah. And this is why when Bev came into the programme or came into the Rovers and she heard about this, she was worried that he'd be or she'd be the next on his hit list. But yeah, as as it turned out, they were they were destined to be with each other. She just had In a to way. just had to get a few other not things really. out of it. Well not really. She just had to get a few younger men out of her system first. In 2006, she goes on a cruise with Liz and Vernon, who um, were, were married or dating at that time. Fred, Fred was supposed to go with them, but he pulls out at the last second because he, he's not sure that she feels the same way about him as he does about her. Then a month later, he gets a phone call from her to say she's been dumped on a country lane with no belongings after dating a guy called Greg she met on the cruise who then dumps her. So they admit their feelings for each other and he proposes at last and she says yes. And actually, to be honest, I said that that scene at Shelley and and Charlie's wedding was one of my favourite Bev moments. But this was as well, although I think this was much more to Fred. It's It's not as famous, but... Some as, as like a viewer who lived through this and saw Fred proposing time and time and time again and getting turned down again and again and again or you know when he married Maureen and then she ran off with Bill Webster a week or so later th- it was a really really well done scene where Bev accepted his proposal and they're out in the country and, and like Fred is just ecstatic about it and I kind of picture the camera swirling above him it's a really really lovely scene so Shelley and Ashley, the children, think it's too soon and don't want them to get married and uh, try them to tell them to call off the engagement, but it doesn't work. And Shelley accuses Bev of acting like she's the landlady of the Rovers when she isn't. She's just engaged to the guy who owns it. And Bev says, "Look, I'm I'm marrying Fred for for love. I'm not I'm not doing it for money or or power or anything." And um, Fred says, "Look, Bev will be the landlady once we get married. So deal with it, Shelley." And Shelley gets a nose put out of joint quite a lot by this mm. and ends up getting offered a manager's job at a big country pub in the Peak District. Well, Shelley had really fought for this manager's position because, I mean, what we're seeing on Classic Coronation Street, what we've been seeing recently, is her vying with Gina Gregory to be- get the manageress position, hasn't she? So she'd earned this spot and now to have your mum come along and be your boss, that's not going to sit well, well with just, anyone. Just especially considering that it's just only because she's dating. Yeah. The, the guy. Yeah. So um, Bev's gutted that, that Shelley's going to leave to the, for the Peak District and tries to get her to stay by setting her up on a blind date with Steve. Poor girl. But, That's not enough to put you off. I don't know what it is. But, um... They go out for an evening together. And I think... He does. Shelley and Steve, they go out to some restaurant, wherever the restaurant of the day was, with Andros or whatever. And um, Steve ends up having to get called away for something. Um, and... Shelley's there left in the bar and Charlie's there as well. You know, nemesis evil controlling Charlie who she jilted not six months ago, or maybe it was a bit more than six months ago. So what happens? They do it at the bar. 
and she he just ends up seducing her again and he like basically throws it back in her face afterwards and says i told you you still fancy me all i had to do was gonna give you the quick nod and you were dropping your jaws for me you had to yeah, slag you didn't, you didn't win you i still have power over exactly you. and she leaves the peak district the next day in shame um now bev is still in weatherfield she's supporting claire peacock through her pregnancy but she gets annoyed when claire asks audrey to babysit instead of her meanwhile audrey's getting jealous of fred and bev being happy together because mm. fred and audrey had always had a bit of a thing hadn't they yep. even when when fred first came into the show in 94 i'm gonna say he was a bit leery towards audrey he was he was a much more kind of repugnant character when he first came in wasn't he well he, he was, was a proper kind of well, from the very beginning, he was lusting after Audrey because he took them to the to France. Yeah, yeah, and he he was he was like, so oh, the, you're a very handsome woman, Audrey Roberts. Yeah. But yeah, he was just a bit. And more that was when Alf was there. Her. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he was still trying to come on to to Audrey with the blooming mare. Yeah, her yeah. husband. In yeah. the same car. Yeah, so they'd always had a bit of history and they'd been they'd been friends. They'd been like kind of ships that passed in the night. Obviously, Alf had, had died in 1999, I think, but they'd never really properly got together. But now Audrey's thinking, you know what, actually, I can't... I wish not... that, that was me. I could yeah. imagine myself being happy like... Fred and Bev are. Well, Audrey was used to the high life being married to the mayor of Weatherfield, wasn't she? And she had this, you know, the big house well, in Grassmere yes, Drive. She wanted, things and nice houses. And, and, and... and Fred was loaded. He was absolutely minted. And, and I don't think it was just about that, but I think she could see herself, you know, being very comfortable and settled. Sounds and almost, nice to me. Almost like a kind of elf replacement, you know, a kind of portly, well-off yeah. kind of guy. So, Fred tells Bev, I found a cottage near Shelley's pub. We could go and retire there. So, I'll sell the Rovers to, to Liz and Steve and we'll go. And um, Bev's getting annoyed because Liz, before she's even moved in, is started, well, before they've even sold it, she's starting to try change things and make her mark on the place. And uh, Bev does not like this. Win in the corners and everything, probably. Probably. <laughs> now, Shelley comes back to the street for the wedding between... Um, Bev, um, between, and, yeah. Bev and Fred and she is up the duff <gasps> with Charlie's baby she's pregnant with Charlie's baby and she's like well no it's my I, I used him now that they're around and Bev's like you should probably have an abortion and she says no I don't remember what happened there. Did she keep? Did she keep she the baby? She keeps the baby. So Shelley Unwin has got Charlie Stubbs's baby up in the Peak District. Isn't that when, interesting? So when, when was this? So when Audrey so went 15... up to go see Bev, you you might imagine that perhaps Bev's got her grandchild, yeah. son, daughter. Don't know. What, what year was this? this so this was two thousand and six. So how old would that child be now? Sixteen. Uh, so this is peak age for um, you know. Uh, Kill Bill, Revenge of the of the Child, coming back to confront Tracy over the fact that she yeah. murdered their dad. Or a little bit like we had with Jade a couple of yeah. years ago as well. That's a little story idea for you, Coronation Street. That, would, yeah, that wouldn't want. be a bad idea, because, you know. Because Tracy's so reformed now. Mm. It, I don't know if it would work, really, but... Um, oh, just imagine Tracy being confronted with the child of the person that she murdered and pretty much got away with a murder. Yeah. Of. That's a storyline right like there. Story. I love it. And I'll tell you what, if it means getting Shelley and Bev back, yes, please. Because I don't think we will cat. get them back. I don't but, think we will as well. But, but wouldn't it be a great idea for us? I'm putting that on the predictions for next year. So, um... <laughs> 
so yeah she's like i i I, it was my idea i i i uh i i seduced him not the other way around so fred then as they're getting ready to get married he senses something's up with audrey and she says listen i i've realized now that i i want i wish i you were marrying me not her yes and Fred's now in a quandary, and I remember this because she. Why the, didn't the silly mayor say something before? And you also wonder how pure her. Too much of a flippity gibbet. How pure are her, um, uh, her feelings really? Because would she have thought about him at all if he'd moved? No. Would she have wanted to marry him if she wasn't watching? I Bev? think she might. I, 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 I kind of I get a feeling like you don't realise what you've li- what you're missing until you've almost lost it. I know, but that's FOMO, is. isn't it? It's not real, is it? I you I, can't you can't live your life with in the fear of missing out. You have got to just do. What he, you, he was around. Make your decisions, and he was a bit of a handsy old fool in the early days. No way to live. No, I, I think that he had become much more of a gentleman. That I think you know, well, Bev or not, she might have ended up. Okay, towards. so he's in a quandary, but he's still going to marry Bev, and um, but he invites Audrey to come to the wedding. But on the day. He gets told that Audrey can't come because she's unwell, but actually she's just sulking, isn't she? Yeah. So he heads off in the car before the ceremony to see her. He goes and says, they have this really nice um, conversation, don't they? Where mm. he's like, regretfully, I am going to marry Bev. It's, yeah? Like, it's like, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, we but... Could, in another life, we could have, but, yeah. you know, this is what I'm doing. And Audrey kind of has to make her peace with it, really. He gets up, walks into the corridor and collapses and dies of a stroke. It's tragic. And, and then... it's such, It was such a sweet thing. It's like, oh, be happy, Audrey, be happy. That's right. And she's like, yeah, all right, maybe I will. I don't know. My son's going to be a murderer, so we'll see what happens there. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Ashley blames Audrey and then he also decides to blame Bev as well because for, of all the pressure death. about yeah about wanting a quick wedding so nothing to do with all that red meat or anything poor old or dead dead Fred um Liz is annoyed you know who think of all the victims including <laughs> Liz because now Bev doesn't want to leave the Rovers to go to live in this little cottage and re- retire next to Shelley and um unfortunately for Bev because she wasn't married to Fred She's gutted to find out that Fred's left everything in his will to Ashley and she doesn't get anything. <laughs> she gets drunk and then she bars Audrey from the funeral. She loses her mind <laughs> after at this because... Um, I think Audrey ends up going anyway, but you right, think she... about the fact that Bev knows that even... She doesn't... She, she can only go by what uh, Audrey told her was the last conversation they ever had. But she knows for a fact her husband, her 2B, was in another woman's house that... That who he kind of fancied when he died. Yeah. She's obviously super suspicious I of think, this. I think that's and enough she goes to drive a bit, anyone a bit. She nah, goes nah. a bit mad. She goes to the funeral in her wedding dress. Ashley gives her a watch that Fred was going to give her, which had engraved, to Buffalo, my beauty. <laughs> and then after the funeral, Audrey's just going around telling everybody how much she loved Fred, <laughs> which is not helpful. Then Bev gets Fred's ashes and refuses to give them to Ashley for some reason. Well, she's she's like, just in a mood. She's, she's like you said, she's just kind of lost it. I mean, come on. <laughs> she's in a Nobody total expects mood. that husband no, to I drop know. dead an hour before the wedding. No, it's enough. Yeah, so it's yeah, she's, she's hoarded Fred's ashes. But then Can't... she eventually gives him half in a gravy granules jar, <laughs> which is what he would have wanted, I think. Oh, yeah. A nice smell of gravy. 
attack for eternity. Yeah, mix them up with a bit of water, pour them over some prime rib of beef. Oh, oh no, don't use Why? gravy granules on prime rib of beef. <laughs> it's, right. not, it's ashes. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, Steve and Liz are supposed to be buying the Rovers and uh, they want to move in. But um, Bev won't move. She just, she, she's very reluctant. And Steve calls her a clingy shower curtain <laughs> and eventually manages to persuade Ashley and Claire to take her in. But she soon gets on their nerves because, you know, she, I mean, she's nothing really to do with them. She's hanging out now with her dead, not yeah, she was, quite husband's son and his wife. The, she was going to be the stepmother to yeah. Ashley, but... They never really got on. No, I don't think they did particularly. And they're getting on each other's nerves. And by this point, Tracy and Charlie are dating. And this is where we start with the the plan that Tracy had. Because Charlie made a mug out of her by sleeping around. She was not having it. So it wasn't because she was, you, you know... Um, she was being abused by him or because she wanted revenge for womankind about how horrible Charlie was. No, she just got her nose put out of joint and then she decided to take revenge for that reason. Mm. Bev and Claire are getting worried that Charlie's back to his old tricks and controlling Tracy. But actually, Tracy's making out this is happening to make Charlie seem abusive to set up her alibi for when she kills him. Yeah, she's like faking arguments. She, yeah. she irons, irons her own herself. or something, yeah. doesn't she? So yeah, Bev's a bit suspicious here. So Bev finally gets a hint that uh, the peacocks are getting annoyed with her and she moves. She decides to move to go to be with Shelley. In so, the Peak District. In the Peak District. She sprinkles Fred's ashes and a little bit of delicious beef-flavoured <laughs> dust um, together with Ashley and Claire on the Derby Dales. And then they head off. To, she heads off to the peaks and goes to live. And that's the Shelley. last that we thought that we would see of Bev. And she's one of these characters that's a convenient excuse for other characters to go and visit. You're losing your voice completely. It's getting worse, stop, isn't it? Stop. So Deirdre, uh, whenever Deirdre's not in the show... Um, it gets explained that she's away at Bev's, including when Peter's having his trial, which I forgot what it's for. Um, this was the Victoria Court fire that Peter Have you got any tea been... left? No, it's gone. Okay, well, he, he she says, oh, a little bit. I'm stressed about Peter's trial, I'm at Bev's, I'm at Bev's. So she was at Bev's in 2015. So this was a gap from 2006, so, you know, nine years well, she wasn't in the show, but she comes back to tell everybody that Deirdre has died. Deirdre was staying with her when she had an aneurysm or something, yeah. and she's just died. She, you know, this was this was after Deirdre sort of came back and um, went on holiday with Ken, and they kind of, and then she well, threw no, the no, trifle, no, and then they no. went. Yeah, the, the, the throwing the trifle was when she went that's off. That's her to, final yeah. scene. But yeah, it was Ken had been away in Canada visiting Adam. He comes back, they go to Wales. Then yes. we have Peter going on trial. Deirdre's like, I can't cope with this, goes off to Bev, and that's the last weird viewers see her. And it's on Deirdre's 60th birthday that Bev knocks on the door at number one. Ken's expecting to see Bev and Deirdre, but no. alas, no, she Deirdre's gives- dropped dead. She gives uh, Ken Deirdre's glasses and says Deirdre was ashamed to come back to the street after hearing about Tracy having an affair with Tony Stewart, which honestly, after, you know, everything else she's done, I think I that wouldn't even register on in my mind. <laughs> but after the funeral, Audrey and Bev make up and then she heads off to the Peak District for the final time. I don't imagine she'll be back, but no. she has... Now, Now instead of being Deirdre's um, alibi, she's Audrey's alibi for well, why it, she's it, gone somewhere. It is really nice that they made up. I mean, I, I'd kind of forgotten by the time 
that, that Bev came back that she and Audrey had even had a fall out. But it's it's one of these things that it was a really, really lovely scene. Yeah, they had, yeah, they it was, you know, unfinished business. Yeah. And um, it's, it's a what, shame that we never got that with Rita exactly. and um, Bet. Yeah, Bet and Rita have now really fallen out for nearly out for 30 that. years. It really, really sticks in my crawl that that's never, yeah. that's never, you know, and I, I don't know what their plans are if they're going to give Bet an ending or. Um, or what they want to do. I don't think Julie Goodyear would Julie do Goodyear it. Julie Goodyear would... No, 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 no. Julie Good. I don't imagine Julie Goodyear would ever come back. But if they want to say, Bet's died, really, mm. to, to me, I know this is completely off topic because we're supposed to be talking about Beth, but Rita acts like such a wise old bird, doesn't she? She's always giving people <laughs> advice and telling them, you know, you should do this and that and blah, blah, blah. She's got the biggest unfinished business hanging mm. over her head of anybody on the street. And for all that she gives out wisdom, she really needs to take a leaf out of her own book. And when, if they ever do kill off Bet in the show, I really want Rita to regret those years that she... Let. They were they were pals. They were pals. Well, they were supposed to be pals, and then she stabbed her in the back. You know, Rita is such a she, Rita is the dragon of Weatherfield. She's sitting on a hoard of gold <laughs> coins. I've had this conversation before on the podcast with you about how Rita is just yeah. a um an old package with too much money. I think that if yeah, if they kill off Bet, then maybe they should discover a letter that she'd penned to Rita oh, but I never sent like or something. We need some I really, really want an oh, ending. Need closure. I do. Right, so back to Bev. Bev came back to the show uh, nine years after she originally left because she had become close to, to Anne Kirkbride who played Deirdre and she ha- has this quote that she said about her um, Anne made everybody feel part of the family she was the one who got everyone together made them laugh raised the temperature if you went on location she'd get out the chairs and she'd be sunbathing making you laugh and taking inappropriate photographs of people who were snoring in deck chairs <laughs> and they should have been learning their lines she was absolutely key to keeping everybody's energy up on a long day at a funeral or at a wedding or any occasion when the whole cast were there and we were all a bit down in the doldrums because it was a long day <laughs> so when she left Corrie for the first time she said for Coronation Street we had to get up at 6 in the morning and go home at 8.30pm it was a long day <laughs> And the hardest job I've ever done. You're shooting 15 different episodes at any one time. So in one day, you could do 10 scenes in the Rovers taken from 15 different episodes. So it was a continual continuity nightmare. The homework I had to do was quite phenomenal. I used to write down my storylines so I could refer to them if I suddenly was jumping forward five episodes. You had to be right there as there were new writers on different episodes and sometimes they missed a trick and you had to be there to put them right if things were out of order. You, you hear that quite a bit That's from some interesting. departing actors, don't you? Yeah, I know, but I don't think this is how they do it now because of the block filming and, and maybe this is why they've done it that way because things were getting chaotic it sounds like I, I still there's think no way they could do that now things still get filmed out of order I know but I don't I've never from, heard of anybody help. filming 15 episodes in one day yeah have you maybe she's exaggerating I don't know well <laughs> she's not here to defend herself her last IMDB credits for the short film Nora but she was also on TV for an episode of Kate and Koji last year and she is currently on stage in Agatha Christie's The Mirror Cracked at the Festival Theatre in Malvern. That's pretty good that you could, if you want, if you're a bit of a Bev and a Susie Bake fan, you can you can go off and see. Yeah, her go on see her in Malvern. Yeah, seventy one. That's pretty impressive. She likes the working in theatre, but she doesn't want to come back to soap. And she wants to go to retire in Denville Hall, which is a residential home for actors and other theatre professionals. Mm. God, can you imagine She's got what all that? Out. What that? What? Uh, what? Isn't isn't there? There has been a um. I was going to say, there has been a TV show about an old people's home for 
actors in there, but it sounds like the perfect place to... Yeah. It looks like, I mean, she, she's had a good old life. She has, and she's got it all planned out. And, um, yeah, it's... Uh, as, as small a dent as she made on Coronation Street history, she's certainly a character that I think... She's yeah, an interesting, interesting like character, Beth. yeah. She was she was nice, a bit flirty, um, and although she never... It, it seemed from what we just said, and I think that was pretty much everything she did, she never had a story that was just hers. Even no. when she was going out with Fred, it was more Fred to facilitate yeah. Fred's death story and, and, well, and John Savadant leaving the show. Well, she was great, and... Um, We'll leave you with a with some great mum, great mum and daughter relationship. Yeah, we'll leave you with a quote from. <laughs> this is I just Eric, had to get this one as well. When Eric Gartside uh, was introduced to Bev Unwin, so this was this was played by Peter Kay, which you know, a classic episode. So this she- is when he was dating Shelley, isn't well, it? They, they, they had, had blind a date. date. Yes. So um, she brings him back. Or- no, this is before. This is when he picks her oh, up. He picks her. He picks Rovers. Shelley up. Sees Bev and says, "I can't believe you, Shelley's mother. You look far too young." And Bev says, oh, thank you. You can't be looking close enough. And he says, oh, you're right. The neck. I can see the neck now. That's the giveaway. <laughs> and you can just imagine Peter Kay performing that yeah. perfectly. Really, really good. Really, really comedic. So there you go. That's Bev. Um, if you wondered why Audrey was uh, visiting her. I mean, imagine. Can you just imagine after all the tension these two women have had, finally making up at Deirdre's um, wake and then... They fall out again because Audrey drags a corpse up just to to hang out in her yeah. driveway overnight. <laughs> well, I I really enjoyed that trip down memory lane again. I, I had forgotten quite a bit about Bev, so um, I hope it was of use to some to some listeners, maybe people who enjoyed watching her at the time but have forgotten a bit, or you know people who have not been watching for that long and wanted to find out a bit about a character who um maybe doesn't get the the praise or the um. You know the the, the legacy yeah. that that many of the Corrie strong matriarchs do. Uh, thank you everybody for listening. I'm sorry you've had to put up with this awful voice of mine. Fingers crossed by Friday I'll be able to do some proper recording again. But you know we've got some street talk shorts to do between now and then as well, haven't we? So yeah. I'll, I'll have to try and be quiet as much as I can. Yeah, maybe in the next you should just rest up. I'm going to pass over to you. This is the last thing I'm going to say. Goodbye. 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 What do I do now? The music for... What should I say? I'm panicking. How do people contact us, Email us at conversation... Conversation Street at gmail.com Twitter, Facebook... I don't know. Everyone knows this, don't they? Um, The music for this episode came from podcastthemes.com. Goodbye.